Hello and welcome to the Coon Hunting University podcast. This is your host, Tyler Duncan. And like always, class is in session. Coon Hunting University is brought to you by Conkey's Outdoors, hunting and hound supply store. Find out more at conkeysoutdoors.com and Superior Hunting Lights. Superior, step up to the max. Use discount code CHUPODCAST at checkout and receive 5% off on nighthunters.com. If you're in the market for a new dog box, go over and check out GNR Cedar Dog Boxes on Facebook or go give Gavin a call at 615-962-5266. I went and picked the puppy up from Mr. Jesse Lively, I don't know, about a week ago and uh, we did an interview and it didn't it didn't turn out right. The audio was kind of kind of messed up on my end. It was my fault, and uh, so I had to ask Jesse to re-record this interview and uh, had to do it via phone call because we got a pretty good distance between us. And so Jesse, if you could just introduce yourself to the people and uh, just kind of give a little background on yourself. All right, Tyler. My name's Jesse Lively. I'm from Rayville, Louisiana. 47 years old, got a wife I've been married to for 20, 20 something years, and then I got a 27 year old son, eight month old grandbaby. You know, I guess my story kind of lines up with most most country folks' story. My daddy was was a coon hunter, and I guess Tyler, about as long as I can remember. We've had some kind of hound. We've had most all kind of hound. Actually, we had rabbit dogs and deer dogs, coon dogs, squirrel dogs, most all my life. And that's how we were raised, hunting. I guess we'll. I guess I'll do it forever. I don't see no quit in, in the near future. Yeah. How'd you kind of get your start into coon hunting? Well, my daddy was a hide hunter. And, uh, of course, you know, I, was, I got two two younger brothers and I had an older sister, but me being the oldest boy, daddy, you know, just quick as I could big enough to go, you know, I, I, he'd take me hunting with him. And I hunted with him, I don't know, man, probably till the late eighties when daddy quit hunting. And of course, just pleasure dog. Daddy, daddy did some competition hunting back when PKC was PCA. After he quit, he, he quit coon hunting, but we still had dogs. And, uh, you know, we had his coon dogs. What, what dogs? He, see, he had a, he had a big walker male. He called lightning. He got run over, but he had other dogs, but that was his main dog. And when old lightning got run over, well, that was the last time my daddy went coon hunting. So we still had those dogs. And, you know, after I got on up big enough, I could, they would let me go by myself. Then, you know, I could leave the house there and go hunting, walking. You know, I'd just walk, leave the house walking with them dogs and go hunting and then, you know, come home. And that was actually, I guess, the start of my coon hunting was uh, actually after Daddy quit. You know, I did that, you know, until I left home. Of course, when when I left home, I, I quit coon hunting. I didn't, I quit doing most of all hunting. And, uh... You know, I just slowly got back after my son was born. I got I got me some more dogs and I started back, you know, just pleasure hunting. 
run into Tom Hendricks. He was a competition hunter, pleasure hunter. He invited us to come to a hunt, me and my brother. Wanted us to come to a UKC hunt one night, and we did. And hey, man, I, you know, I got beat that night. I got, you know, I got one of them lessons that I, the newbies generally get, but it didn't deter me at all. I loved it. I was hooked from right then. I don't know. It was just something about it. And that's what I wanted to do, and that's what I've been doing. And that's how I got started. Now, you know, my dogs wasn't no good. They treat coons, pleasure dogs. Just, just. Take a dog and go tree a coon. That's the kind of dogs I had. But I um I won the first PKC cast I ever entered. Heck, man, I guess it was probably two years before I won another cast. Did you win that? But I had to. Did you win that first PKC cast the right way or what? Yeah, that the dog I was hunting, he was out of Bay Stylish Banjo, and he was he was kind of a tight mouth dog on the ground. He treated coons. You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe the draw I had. You know, maybe I, I, I drew a couple dogs because, you know, I, I didn't win very much with Cash, even though he was a coon dog. I just didn't. He wasn't he wasn't the caliber of dog that you could take to a hunt and win, you know, consistent with. But I did. I won that cast, made the final four. That was at the 2002 Louisiana PKC State Hunt in Toledo, Louisiana, and I was hunting in the open event, and I made the final four. Tree coons. I think we tree. I think Cash treed two coons by itself, and them other dogs took some minus or something. Maybe treat a possum. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know how to. I didn't. Wasn't no handling because I didn't know. You know, I just strike and treat. That's all I knew. And uh, yeah, I guess when I meant the right way, I meant with the, you know, some dogs win a cast because they ain't they ain't got no points. You know what I'm saying? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah no, no. No, but, but down here, you know, over here where I live, if you got a dog that can tree a coon, you're going to have plus points because, you know, we hunt big timber and we got coons now. There's, there's times, you know, you don't tree them, but generally if you go go coon hunting, you got a coon tree and dog, you can, you're you going to tree some coons here. But uh, that was Cash. That's, that's the dog that I started out with. Hardwood Cash is what I called him. He died. I kept him till he died. Good little old dog. So where did you go from Cash? You said it took two more years to win a PKC cast again. Was that him you won with? I I did some swapping and trading. I I hauled him around. And uh, to look, if there was a coon hunt somewhere, I was at it. I was hooked. And I hunted with a lot of dogs. And it didn't take me long to realize that if I was going, if I was going to win, I was going to have to get me a different kind of dog. Well, I wasn't sure what kind of dog I was going to have to get because you had these dogs that would get in there and trick coon by themselves, and they did a lot of winning. Then you had these barking dogs that, you know, a hunter strike at 75 tree, they would win cast. So that's, that's the kind of dog I actually went with. I I got to looking for me something that that barked and um, would cover or tree a coon. And I, I did some swapping and trading, and I I had several dogs. I had a, a dog I called Mercy. He was out of rat attack. He was a littermate brother to actually Roger Dale's deep south pack rat dog, and he was a pretty good dog. He wasn't real accurate. We did a we did. We finished top 16 of the state 
several years with him and then I wound up getting a dog called Deep South Jack and I did a little winning with Jack, you know, top 16 of the state race. And then uh, I bought a little dog I called Ford. He was a he was a hundred strike dog. Gonna tree with you. And you know, he would tree a coon by himself and just the same thing, you know, top sixteen of the state race. Never did have anything that I that whenever I went to a hunt I thought I was gonna win. You know, I knew I was gonna win, but did a lot of swapping and trading and went through several different dogs. It, it didn't take me that long to realize that those barking, packing type dogs wasn't for me. I had to have me something like Richie McDonald's little bit female. She was, she was the kind of dog that would go tree a coon when you turned her loose. And she did a, she, I, I don't guess I ever beat her, just to be honest. She was, she was the real deal. And it, I made my mind up. That's the kind of dog that I wanted to hunt. And, um, but you, you know, they don't, they don't make them every day. It ain't something you can go buy unless you got a lot of money. I wanted to model my dogs after her if I ever was a, to come across one. And uh, I was on the look, you know. I finally wound up doing some swapping and trading and wound up with a big old walker puppy, Edgar Purvis. Me and him hunting together every night. From my first PKC hunt, I met Edgar Purvis at that hunt. And me and him has been hunting buddies ever since that hunt. He hunted with Martin Spears a good bit. They was buddies. I didn't know Martin, but I knew Edgar. Me and Martin, we got to be buddies through Edgar. I wound up getting a, getting a big old leggy, big-headed puppy from Martin. That dog wound up being the one that the search was over. You might as well say. What dog was that? His name was Wipeout Shade. I got him from Martin, and I don't know where he come up with this that name but i named him tiny high styling tiny and uh he was out of moose big old big old joker man he was he was big so i called him tiny everybody thought that was kind of weird him being 82 pounds and his name tiny but i thought it was kind of funny and had you ever heard of the wipeout dogs before you know tiny well, I don't really remember exactly when old Moose won them trucks. Now, it, it had to have been in the, I had seen him in the magazine, old Moose and Barry and all them, but I didn't, I didn't know him. I didn't, you know, I didn't know anything about, you know, I didn't even know what, why, I just thought it was some kind of kennel name or what, you know what I mean? And um, <clears throat> so, no, I didn't really know anything. And there was some guys around here that pleasure hunted. I, I heard them talk about wipeout dogs, but I didn't. Pay him no attention, John. And I just knew Martin said uh, Tiny was out of Wipeout Zach. I called him Moose. Didn't mean nothing to me. I just wanted to go tree a coon, you know? Yeah, so, and Tiny kind of made you a fan of that line, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, after a thousand nights of listening to him trail all night, he wasn't tree. I loved him. He was so big and he was so pretty and he was built big and strong and had a head, big old head, but man, he wouldn't tree. He would, he would, uh, them other dogs would tree and he'd just keep on going. I hunted him and hunted him and hunted him. I took him down to Piney Woods Hunting Club one night by himself. I had put out some corn feeders 
I turned him loose in there by himself, and he went in there and treated a coon, and I about killed myself trying to get to that tree before he left. And I got in there and shot that coon out to him, and buddy, he, from that night on, he, he treated coons. It, it, he turned into a, a real good coon dog. And, Jesse, what made you want to keep messing with the dog that just trailed all night? You know, what did you see in him while he was trailing that made you think, man, if I just stay with it, you know, I'm going to have something? Well, I liked his looks. You know, a big old stout male dog. He's long built, big headed, had a big old long tail. And I just told myself, you know, if I could ever get this dog, if he'd ever start treating me some coons, I'd have, I'd have what everybody else wanted. I'd have what I've been looking for. It was just something, and me and him, he was just, I liked him. I liked him when he was four months old. I went to Martin's house and he had him over in that pen. He was four months old. And I tried to buy him then. Martin wouldn't sell him. And uh, I think Tiny was about 11 or 12 months old whenever Martin hunted females, and I don't know why he even had the dog, because he don't hunt males. But when he got ready to get rid of him, he knew we wanted him. And uh, so he called me, and I got him. Of course, I think I gave him $500 for it. Of course, $500, to me, then, uh, that was a lot of money. I mean, just it, it ain't a lot of money, but, but then it was, and... He was just, he was special to me. That's why I stayed with him. And how old was he when he treated his first coon? About 16 months old. So you hunted him and, and, uh. I hunted him all that winter and most of that spring. And, uh, I want to say it was somewhere around April. The tiny, I think, was born in December. I think he was a December pup, so. January, February, March, April. Yeah, about 16 months old because it was turkey season when he treated his first coon. We'll never forget it. I got run out of that hunting club for putting out corn over there for coons because they didn't want they didn't want corn out there because of the turkeys would get some kind of black leg disease or something. Anyway, I got plum run out of that club for putting that corn out. That's why I know it was turkey season. So he was about 16 months old. Uh, Tiny didn't, he didn't hardly win any cast, did he? No, he uh, he only won, you know, he probably he only won the ones I put him in. Yeah, 115 in three years. Yeah, I was being sarcastic there because I I knew. Yeah, yeah. I, I I was trying to be sorry. I was trying to figure out how to answer that question. <laughs> but uh, so and I wanted you to nail that home. So he didn't start training coons. He's 16 months old, and you quit hunting him at what yep. three and a half, right? Yeah, he fell out of a tree and broke his legs. Broke both front legs in a $25 open event hunt. I was trying to win a state race, and I had a $20,000 dog in a $25 cast, and got him, got his legs broke. That's so, that's a lo- that's a lot of cast wins in uh, two years. And I I know he treated his first coon at 16 months old. How old was he when he put it, put him in his first cast? Oh, uh, his first cast was i want to say in may and i don't know if that was the yeah i carried him to the shriners benefit i don't remember what month that was in but he won his he won his super state money at a warm-up 
for the Shriners, our Shriners benefit. Okay. Me and Casey Dooley drew out together. Boy, it was a, me and Casey, we, we've always been kind of rivals. And that's when, that's the night me and Casey would become best friends was that night on that cast. I thought we almost was going to fight, but I won't ever forget it. It was one of them deals, but now I made a, oh, Tiny, he made me a lot of friends, buddy. Yep. So he had 115 cast wins and just say it, two years of hunting. Yeah, it was, it was, Tiny should have been, when he broke his legs, he would have, he should have been coming, just to come a four-year-old, I want to say. So it was probably three years I got to hunting. Three good years of hunting is all I got out of it. That's a lot of cast wins. Yeah. That's a lot of CWs. And it's a bunch of them. Look, Tiny was the kind of dog. Whenever I was hunting him, if I pulled up to a coon hunt, I knew I was going to win. If I didn't win, it was because we didn't treat no coons. You know, it was it was some. Uh, he was a winner. I mean, he, he would just win. A, he was going to treat you a coon. It didn't make no difference. If you turned him loose, he was going to treat you a coon. Yeah. And what style of dog was he, Jesse? Was he real flashy or was he a trailing type dog? You know, No, he was it wasn't, it wasn't nothing flashy about him. He he was generally, he'd generally get you a good strike, 100 strike most of the time, one of bunches of cats with 200 plus. He'd get you struck, and he'd stay on the ground until he treated a coon. And I'm telling you, he'd absolutely stay on the ground until he treated a coon. He wasn't going to treat no bunch of den trees, and he wasn't going to make no slicks. If he made a slick, it's generally during persimmon, you know, when the persimmons was out, he'd tree a persimmon every now and then. He didn't make no bunch of trees, and, and the ones he made had real live coons in them. I want a pile of cats with one coon and everybody else treeing a bunch of dens or trees that didn't have coons, but he'd stay on the ground till he treated a coon. That's just the kind of dog he was. And do, do you have any favorite memories with him? Yeah, I drew out on a cast. Uh, there's actually... There's actually two, two final, well, actually three final fours that that I was in that I drew hillbilly, hillbilly and cold sweat one night at the at the fraternity. They was strong dogs, and they they was doing a lot of winning. And uh, that cast, Tiny won that cast, and I mean he done it, he done it tree and coons. I think I had five fifty plus. I didn't even tree on the last tree. And uh, that that cast, and then the final four at Walker Days in the open event, I was in the final four with Jeff Travis and Zeb Three. We split, but you know that final four, going to Illinois with him, getting in the final four at open event at Walker Days. You know, I thought that was a a big deal. And then me and Whit Harvey, Whit was hunting a dog called Rock. Blown to Rogerdale, we was running the state race. It was one and two all year long. He was either one and me two, or I was two and he was one. We he even would come pick me up, and we would ride to hunts together, and we was racing each other. I mean, it was that kind of year all year long. Me and Will Harvey became really good friends that year. We knew each other and we was kind of friends, but that that particular year is when me and him really become. You know, like brothers, but Tennessee River Classic, the home of the 
you know, wipe out line of dogs. I, I carried Tiny up there, and uh, I made the final four the last night of the year at the Tennessee River Classic and won the state race with him right there. And, and it, I, you know, that's always stood out to me. I probably, hopefully, hopefully I was hunting in some of the same woods that old Moose was hunting in that night whenever I got that final four and won that state race. That was a big deal for me win the state race it's hard it's hard to do i mean nowadays it ain't people don't understand but back back in the 2000s you know 2008 2007 2010 you win that state race buddy you had to work for you had to have a good dog too yeah but that was that was the most memorable that that final four at the tennessee river classic was uh probably my favorite yeah and did he look like moose I know Moose was a big dog too, but was he colored up like Moose? Yeah, Tiny was. He had a big saddleback and had a kind of a uh, ring neck with a great big old long tail. Big, eighty-two pounds in in hunting shape. Eighty-two. He weighed eighty-two pounds. That's a big old dog. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say about Tiny? Uh, before we talk about you know some of his puppies and all. I tell you one thing. If I had him, I wouldn't be working for a living. I'd be coon hunting for a living the way you can make money this day and time with a good dog, buddy. He, he'd win you some casts. So you don't have to get the final four no more. You know, all you got to do is win your cast now. And, you know, you got a cast winning dog. It don't matter about points, and that's what he was. He was a cast winner. I'd love to have him back. Yeah. Did you ever hunt him in any big, like, the world or anything? Ever get him in at world or anything like that? I carried him. I carried him, you know, I sold half a tiny to Rogerdale. And Rogerdale hated a wipeout dog and didn't like male dogs, but he bought, actually bought 51% of tiny. And, uh, of course, that gave me the opportunity to take him to, uh, you know, more hunts, Rogerdale, you know. And I carried him to the world hunt, and uh, I got him in at the Super States, got him in at the world hunt. But I should have, the year Triple Creek Rat won the, PKC World Hunt. We was uh, in the quarterfinals, and Jeff Travis was judging. Tiny was on fire. I mean, he was just treeing coons. We went out on that cast, and Jeff Travis was judging, and the old boy struck the wrong dog. Jeff minced him, and another guy strikes back, and then I wound up getting struck for 50. And uh, when the hunt runs down, Tiny's treed over there, and if I got a coon, I'm going to win the cast. So I go in there and handle him. I'm sitting there at my tree, and I done looked up there and seen the coon. I know he's got a coon. And uh, they go to calling me out. They go to calling me out of the woods, telling me I can't win. I need to come on out. And I told them, no, I can win. I'm, uh, the dog that's winning has got 125. And Jeff said, he's going to beat you on tiebreaker. Well, what happened was the boy struck the wrong dog. Jeff didn't open the strike back up. And instead of me, striking in for 50 he strikes me in for a quarter and i get beat and jeff admitted you know that he had made a mistake but uh mr larry makes on pkc then he was gonna correct it he told he said get your cast in here and he said we'll get it jeff took the car to him said, look i made a mistake this boy's supposed to win this cast long story short i didn't advance but uh I'd, I always wondered if, if I'd have made it through that cast, you know, hindsight, 
You don't never know. Yeah. So they wouldn't let you put a question on the card in the woods? They didn't have a panel See, or I anything? I didn't question it at the time it happened. Because I you didn't I know. For, That's right. I thought I was struck for 50. Yeah. I didn't know until, until you know, I'm sitting in there at that tree and they hollering across the field telling me I can't win. Well, now, I mean, that's been 45 minutes ago. So, you know, I can't put a question on the card. But then Jeff, something is said about it, and Jeff realizes that he made the mistake. So he was going to do the best he could do to fix it, and it just didn't work out. But, yeah, I was supposed to have won that cast in advance to the quarterfinals. Of course, you know, when something like that happens, it kind of you just wonder why you even try, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and they, you know, nobody wins the world hunt without catching a break or two. Absolutely. Uh, of course, Rat drew the dog, Triple Creek Rat drew the dog that won my cast heads up. Of course, Rat goes on and wins the hunt, but I would I would love to have that night back with Sluggo hunting Rat and me hunting Tiny just to see how that, that cast would have played out. Because I'm telling you, I know Rat was good, but old Tiny Man was on fire that year. I believe I could have beat him. Yeah. But I don't know, we'll never know. Yeah, for sure, man. Hate that happened to y'all. So, and Tiny did his job in the uh, stud pen, too, after he got hurt. I mean, hey, y'all. Tyler here from Coonutton University. I want to talk to you a little bit about extreme dog fuel and what sets them apart. Superior nutrition at the lowest price possible. So they've been told the amount of vitamins and minerals they use in their feeds overkill and that they could reduce cost by incorporating less expensive ingredients in their formula. But they believe the right mix of important ingredients makes a huge difference in your hound's skin, coat, performance, durability, health, and longevity. They promise they'll never change their product to lower the price or to compete with cheap commodity dog foods. All their ingredients are taken from the South Central United States. So go check them out and you can find out more about Extreme Dog Fuel at ExtremeDogFuel.com and find a retailer near you today. Extreme dog fuel, feed it for life. Yeah, we slipped around. We slipped around Roger. See, Roger Dale, he didn't uh he didn't believe he didn't he don't breed dogs because everybody knows he had all them good females over there and he never bred none of them. And I slipped around behind his back and bred tiny to a little female. I, I think I had bred tiny once before Roger Dale bought him. And that's where the little Sally female that we hunted come yeah. from. And then uh, after Roger Dale bought him, he broke his legs. I I, uh, I eased around there and bred him to another female, and I got the T Pain dog out of that cross. He was a good one. He was a hunter. I wanted to bring a showcase with him as a puppy hunting in the open event because I didn't super stake him. And uh, I didn't pay him up in super stakes or anything. I went to the breeder showcase, carried him up there, and hunted him in the open event, won the whole thing. And him just a pup. He was a good one. And uh, Tiny never reproduced but one female that I thought was any count. Most of all his good pups were males. Sally female, and then, he, then we had Pain, T-Pain. And then, of course, we had Boss. And boss, boss was probably, just according to who you ask, but if you ask me, Boss was probably the best dog out of Tiny. And then, then we got Frank. Frank come along. He was a little younger than Boss was a little older than Frank. But, you know, 
it's just according to what night you took them to hunting, which one was the best. They, they's both good ones. There's been a lot of good dogs out of tiny, and a lot of them didn't get, you know, them wipeout dogs, you know, if you get them in the right hands with some good dog men, you may see them get their picture taken, but there's a lot of them dogs, it takes a, it takes a special kind of person to uh, get the best out of them. You got to stick with them. You know, they give up on them. Yeah, for sure. And uh, <clears throat> did y'all ever breed that T-Pine dog much? Bred him, bred him uh, one time. Got one litter of puppies out of him. He got killed. And uh, I, I got one that was an idiot and uh, didn't keep it. And then there's two more. Two, there's two or three pups out of that litter that made pretty fair dogs. Just pleasure hunters wound up with them. Um, but they, they made pretty fair coon dogs. Just bred him that one time, and then he got killed. And uh, Boss, he, he stayed right there close to your house, huh? You never tried to get him back? Well, the deal with Boss was John Granberry had him, and he was hunting him for the boy that owned him. And he called me. He suggested, he said, I got this dog over here, the Boss dog out of town. And he said, you need to buy it. He's the right kind. Well, Bert Stevens was in need of a dog, and Bert's always hunted wipeout dogs, and we've hunted together for years and years. Been knowing Bert ever since I started competition hunting. And he's always hunted a wipeout dog, and I think the boy was wanting like $2,200 for him or something to that effect, and I didn't have the money, so I turned, I told Bert to call him. And Bert called and bought him. And I think that was probably the best, best move Bert ever made, because Oh, boss was a good one, buddy. I mean, he's he's the real deal. He's a coon dog in anybody's woods. Yeah, for sure. And uh, is boss still living now? A boss died a couple months back. A couple months back. I, he, yeah. yeah, he was. I think he was a 2010 model. So he's he's about 11, 11 year old. Well, boss, I think had a heat stroke. He got too hot a couple years ago. I think boss never did really recover 100% from, from getting too hot. And I, I think that led to him leaving us, you know, a little early. Uh, how would, how would you compare like Frank to boss as far as style wise? Frank and boss was completely the same. In my opinion, style wise, they hunted, they hunted a coon to tree. The difference between the two was boss would get that mouth open better than Frank. Now, I think I think now Bert may argue with me, uh, but I think boss would bump a little trash every now and then get him some get him a strike. Where Frank, he was one hundred percent. What's the word I'm looking for? He didn't he didn't fool with no no trash at all. Uh, he wouldn't strike off of a deer or in tree a coon or or anything like that. So. Frank was a 25, 50, 25 strike dog where boss was, uh, you know, boss, boss got a lot of hunter strikes, 75. He win more casts when it, you know, when it took points to win. Yeah. And was Frank always like that? What, what age did you get Frank? I got picked, I got Frank. His mama's name was Eldorado, Miss Eldorado, Stanley Lucas owner. She was a, she was an independent country and type dog. I don't think she, I didn't hunt with 
Miss Elderate about a time or two, but what I remember about it, she didn't say a lot on the ground. She was off to herself and she was real accurate. Had coons when she treed, and and uh, I think Frank got that not barking on the ground from her. You know, once he, you know, I'd say he'd strike a track, but he wouldn't say much on it until once he, you know, four or five bars. You know, he'd run a track, a coon, a hot track. He'd bark on it and run it, you know, like a normal dog. But most time, Frank was, he wouldn't say a whole lot on the ground until he was pretty close to being tree. You know, he'd give you five or six barks, you know, he'd be tree pretty much. But I think he got that from his mama. And he got that going hunting and that big hunting, not not caring about ever seeing you again once he turned him. He got all that from his daddy, from the wipeout. But that not saying a whole lot on the ground, I think he, he got that from El Dorado. Well, what do you prefer to hunt night in and night out? A dog like Tiny? Because it sounds like Tiny's different than Frank or T-Boss or a dog like Frank and T-Boss. Well, Tiny would tree on a cast. He'd tree five or six coons or he'd tree one. He'd tree with him dogs. But Frank generally, Frank would generally be the first dog to get treed on a cast. He, you know, because... That's, how, that's the reason why I would win with him, because I'd treat two to their one. And if I had to pick between Frank and Boss and Tiny, I'd probably pick either Frank or Boss. Not not saying that they that much better. I, you know, you don't really know till you hunt all three of them together, I mean, which you can't do that. But crap, man, it'd be hard. To, it'd be hard to choose. I, I mean, I like a dog moving. I like a dog to be on the move looking to tree a coon. If I could get one to do that and bark all the time, you know, you could you could just quit your job and coon hunt them, but I don't want no trailing dog that stands on his head. I can't stand them. I think they all need to be dropped off on an island somewhere. I want mine to be moving looking to tree a coon. That's the kind of dog I want. Yeah. And what all hunts did Frank win, you know, uh and did he kind of did he kind of come along just naturally or did, was he trashy when he was young i mean no no he no. Was, he he never was trashy he he and he didn't start he kind of started out i didn't think he was ever going to be worth a quarter just to be honest but uh i had him in pain of course they stable mates you know there at the house and how i got pain of uh, frank started with tree and coons i'd take him hunt with pain and they would just they wouldn't coon hunt they would just take off through the woods chasing one another running and they'd run across a hot coon and tree it and that may be the reason why frank was the way he was about not getting struck and trailing because the first three or four coons frank ever treated that's that's how he treated them him and pain was just racehorsing up through the woods it'd be a mile over there not even coon hunting and just ambush a coon and tree it. And, uh, of course, you know, I started hunting Frank in October, and he wouldn't do nothing. He was scared to death of a coon. Wouldn't leave the road, follow you around. From October to February, November, December, January, February, four months, 
from October to would not go hunting, wouldn't leave your feet to February. I was treeing coons with him by himself, hunting him all night long, treeing coons with him. He, he come on that fast. One winter. And, and I won $500 with him that first year. I didn't put him in very many hunts because he, you know, like I say, he was 13, 14 months old in February. So, and I had pain, so I didn't have to hunt him. So I just, I won 500 bucks with Frank. And then I carried him to the state hunt the following year and won the state hunt with him. He wasn't, didn't even make the top 16. I had to have some dogs fall out to even get him in the top 16 and then win it with him. And was beat. I was beat by two or three coons. He was out of pocket. The boys had me beat, had my britches pulled down. But they fooled around, let me get within hearing of him. Frank was kind of dog. If he ever treated that first coon, when he, he got stronger as the night went on. You turn him loose. If he trees a coon right out of the truck, there's nothing going to beat him. He's going to win that cast. You can't beat him. But if it took him 30 minutes to get that first coon tree, when you pulled him off that and cut him, he was fixing to tree another one and another one and another one. But he was a little slow to get that first one tree. But once he treated it and you could cut him back, he was just fixing to tree you another one. He just got stronger, and that's what happened that night. They had treed two or three coons before I ever got him treed and handled and scored, and then he treed three more, I think, come back and blistered them. So he basically he, he recut real well. Oh, absolutely. It's just like a switch come on. You know, when he treed that first coon, you could pull him off that tree and walk him a minute, and he was just fixing to dive in there and tree another one. It's like he was on a radar. That's the, that's the way he operated, and he was that way his whole life. Once he treated that first coon, if he treated it quick right out of the truck, he was in trouble. He's just put on a clinic. Who reproduced their likeness more? I mean, do you think Tiny did or does Frank? Oh, boy. Um, Tiny reproduced Frank, which is kind of a semi-silent dog, and then you got Boss that barked a little here and there and all over the place and treated coons and then you had pain pain was just about an automatic strike dog he loved to bark there were several other. i think tiny reproduced his likeness more than the other two because frank's reproducing dogs that can treat any kind of coon you know you got you got 100 strike dogs that you got tight mouth dogs you got you know some of these dogs can trail a coon and tree it and the, and in the same woods, just lay a coon up. So I think Tiny reproduced dogs more like him to where Frank's reproducing. They're both reproducing dogs that are better, in my opinion, that are better than they are. You know, Tiny, they, the old man told me, he said, son, you don't, he said, you can't say you got a reproducing dog until he reproduces something better than him. So if Tiny, in order for a dog to be a reproducer, he has to have a pup on the ground that's better than he is. And in my opinion, Tiny and Frank both have reproduced dogs better than they were. So you would say Frank's reproducing a more well-rounded dog? Absolutely. I believe I believe in a litter of pups that you're going to get, you're going to get two or three different style dogs in every litter that's going to be 
no none of the two are the same see in this this litter out of call girl we got playboy playboy playboy's a strong hound he's good he tri he can tree a coon when he wants to tree a coon i mean if he wants to tree one he he's gonna tree a coon he's strong but he barks he barks you know he'll open he he's gonna be struck 109 percent of the time and he'll bark all over the woods and you take the anti-female and, and the little dog that I had, I called Roman, and they wasn't barking type dogs. They just blow through there kind of like Frank. Roman, you cut him and he just sailed through that country and opened what, 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 bam, tree with a coon kind of just like his daddy. So you're getting Frank's reproducing different style of dogs in the same litter, in my opinion. That's just what I'm seeing. But they all treating coons. Oh yeah, they all treating coons. Yeah, and I'll talk a little bit about the puppy that I got from it's off Frank or Forrest. That litter, you know, I kept up with the whole litter, and uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, every one of those dogs treat a coon on its own, and they're they're ten months old. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. not all Look. of them. I'm not going to sit here and say that all of them are going hunting great or moving or 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 not you know some of them have been exposed more than others but all of them treat a coon by themselves and i mean that's that's impressive the whole litter I, i'm the kind of person that'll tell you when it comes to these dogs and i've been fooling with dogs my whole life ever since i've been big enough to remember i've been toting feeding water to a hound of some kind and all of these dogs it don't matter in my opinion if it's in that dog and he gets the opportunity, it's going to come out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I wouldn't say that some are better than others. Don't get me wrong. But but if it's in him and he gets the opportunity, then it's going to come out eventually. And just like you said, some of these dogs have been hunted more than the others. So naturally, they're doing better. But they all doing something. So you can take, you can take the ones that ain't doing as much, you know, Bert's got the little Joe dog, and you got the litter mate that you just got from me. The little Joe's tree and coons. Bert's sending me videos. I mean, he's doing it. He's getting more and more regular about doing it. Well, he's been hunted a whole lot more than yours. In my opinion, I hadn't hunted with Joe, but I like the way the dog you've got. While I had him, I liked the way he moved around, and he had opened here and there. He never, you know, never standing on his head, steady moving. And opening, you know, from place to place through the country. And when he starts stopping and treeing, he's going to be the real deal. He's going to be the kind everybody wants. And and Bert says his gets struck good. Bert says his starts hunting just as soon as you turn him loose, he starts hunting. Now, that down the road, that could be a problem. Bert ain't going to like that because Bert likes a dog moving all the time to treeing coons. But... I know. We'll just have to wait and see. I think that litter of pups right there is going to be. I think there's going to be several of them get their pictures taken. Oh yeah, I think so too. Uh, and I, I, I will. I haven't hunted this dog but twice as of now, and I plan on hunting him tonight. But uh, you know, first night we hadn't been together, but a night, but one day, and you know. But we hunted him last night, and he he finally kind of warmed up. He didn't tree a coon, but man, he flies around, buddy. I mean, I. I <laughs> For this part of the country, for him never being in this kind of woods, I mean, he he flew around. I mean, just moved like 
like crazy for 10 months old. I mean, you don't see that out of 10 month old dogs very often. Well, have you been around many wipeout dogs? Not, not many that are young like that. I'll tell you one thing, buddy. They kind of like gumbo mud. You'll stick with them. They'll stick with you. Yeah. I felt That's like I, I, see them. I felt like I needed me one of them wipeout chairs last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got those nights, buddy. I've been hunting a wipeout dog ever since I got tiny and I won't never hunt anything else, but I'm telling you, if you ever get you one and you, and you lay with him and, uh, you get him to train cones regular, I just don't think they come no better. Well, they're so, but you got those, huh? yeah, you got those nights. old man, you got those nights that, that you just wonder, is, is it ever going to happen? And then, Right about the time you get ready to give up on him, and a lot of people do, they trade them off, or they'll they'll swap them for something, and then they'll see them in the magazine. They got their picture taken. They wish like they never swapped them off. And another thing I'll say about this dog, and I can't speak for the other ones, but I know this one. I mean, you know, I'll compare him to that bandit dog that I was hunting that's got the heart problem. Bandit wasn't. I'm not going to say he wasn't an athletic dog because he was. He was not a big dog. This dog is like a Greek god as far as his athletic ability compared to the last dog I was hunting. I mean, he's 10 months old, and I told you this. He stood flat-footed and jumped up in the bed of my truck. Never hit. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, that's just pure athletic ability. I mean, I can tell you what. I can tell you something else he'll do, too. He'll run a deer away. You know, people say they'll run a deer off. Well, that right there will run one away. Away. I mean, gone. Yeah. But he'll come back. Well, I don't mind one running a deer. I don't, I don't mind that much when they're young anyway, honestly. I mean, if they can run these deer down here, these are professional deer. Now, they get yeah. run all year round by <laughs> foxhounds. I mean, <laughs> these deer down here are professionals. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. If you're ever out there and then foxhounds make a loop through there, and they pick old Hollywood up, uh, go over on that next road and see, see if the Hollywood ain't leading the pack when they come across. Because <laughs> like, he can run one, boy. Be like, what, he, what, what did uh, uh, Barry, said about, Barry said about Coy that night? They was hunting that cast, and he said, uh, heck, Coy took in with some foxhounds over there. You heard them, yip, yip, yip. You heard them, boo, yeah. Said he fell off air and treated <laughs> Yeah, he's probably showing them how to run it, too. Yeah. Barry said one of them dogs run a deer down and caught it. That was, I don't know if it was Moose or... Zeb again. Zeb again. Yeah, said he needed a tag. It said bade solid. Yeah, that's pretty strong, run a deer down and catch it, buddy. Hey, Mr. Eddie, last night, you know, he, we were watching that dog run, and he said, Tyler, I, I think this dog's running a deer silent. He said there's no other you know, explanation for it. But he never... I mean, I don't think he'd run a deer silent. You only shocked him one time. I've heard that other dogs would do that after they've been shocked a lot, you know? I, I, I seen one dog in my whole life do that, and it was a blue tick. And the reason why I know he was running a deer silent because we was in an open field, and a deer come across the field. And this dog wasn't barking at all. And this deer comes across this field by us. Me and Dale Johnson were standing out in a cut cornfield, and this deer comes across the field there. We seen it. Heard it, you know, before we had garments. We heard this deer come across the field. We turn the lights on, there goes a the deer. Well, here in just a minute, we hear something else coming across that field, and here comes that blue tick coming across there behind that deer. 
he was running that deer, but he wasn't barking. I seen it. But yeah, I mean, I we know he wasn't running a deer just because of the way he was running, you know. But uh, the way he was moving, but Mr. Eddie was like, man, I don't know. I'm thinking, no, nah, I think this dog's going to open on the ground if, he, if he's running a deer, you know, especially being 10 months old. Now, he runs a deer with a chop. I can tell you that. I done heard him run several. He'll leave out there with a chop. You know, I don't know if you've heard him trail much. He's got a pretty bald mouth, in my opinion. Yeah, he trailing, does. But if he, if he ever breaks over into a chop and goes running something, it's hot and it's more than likely a deer. Yeah. Well, I noticed he, uh, give a good and then he might give yeah. a oh and then move, yeah. you know but it's not like oh, 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 oh like like one's running a deer uh-huh. you know they'll leave out there on a good chop and uh it punch him on out of there pretty quick so and we'll, we'll talk because hopefully this litter that i'm talking about with this dog hopefully it wins you this title again um talk about winning the uh Breeder of the or the you'd actually be sire of the year. Colton be breeder of the year. So I would, I don't really want to win it if Colton gets breeder of the year. But uh, uh, as far as winning that when you won, you know, kind of talk about it a little bit. We uh we started a deal here in Louisiana. Call I come up with this brainstorm to boost entries in the in our hunts and build our escrow called the Louisiana Points Challenge. We we uh was gonna give points away for attendance and then. So many points for attendance, so many points for a cast win. And uh, we started that deal. We was giving away a gun, and and uh, everybody put up some money. And uh, we was going to give away a prize at the end of the year. And uh, we started racing this thing, man. It was like we was having a bunch of dogs, too. We On a one-hour hunt, we'd have 19 or 20 dogs. And that's all we was doing. And we was hunting this litter of puppies out of Call Girl. I had Roman, Cody had Frankie, Edgar had Annie, James had Playboy, and uh, we had those four. And uh, we was going to these hunts, and we was winning. Well, that's all we was doing was hunting. That's it. Well, one day at a hunt, somebody said something to me, said, uh, you got a pretty good lead in that sire of the year race. I said, what? Sire of the year. I said, what are you talking about? He said, pull it up and look at it. So I did, and we did. We had we had a pretty good lead in that race. And I'm going to tell you, I don't encourage anybody to ever run that race because it is by far the most grueling thing you'll do because it's a three-year race, and you got to win, and you got to go to hunts. And it's all you can think about is winning that race. But I had five. We had that litter of puppies. It was 11 puppies, and I raised seven. And I sold a, a male and a female to uh, a couple of ladies. And uh, the other five went to coon hunters. I kept Roman. Uh, Josh Cook bought Frankie, and we wound up buying her back. Dalton Dykus bought Annie. We wound up buying her back. James had Playboy, and then there was the JW dog that I kept him, but I wound up selling him and then buying him back when Roman got killed. So we raced for three years, Annie, Frankie, Playboy, and JW. And I had won some money with Roman, but he got killed. So actually, four pups. And uh, we stayed in the road. I mean, me and Edgar and Cody... Edgar, Cody, and James 
and I hunted, I hunted Playboy, I hunted Frankie, I hunted Annie, and I hunted JW, and I hunted Roman. So I, I was saddled to five at different times through the three years. I helped Cody with Frankie. Cody done extremely well with her. Edgar, he's you know he's been my buddy a long, long time. He he won a good bit with Andy. But the main dog in that race, the reason, probably the reason why we won it was the Playboy dog, and and he's just strong. I tell you, like Barry Kista, he's powerful. You know, he is. He he's a coon dog, and uh, he wins a lots of casts. And um, but buddy, I'm gonna tell you that that three year race is, is tough. I think we won uh, a little over eleven thousand dollars in open event money with those four pups. It took us, you know, it's three year deal. Where's the Playboy dog at now? James has got him. James Hughes, he lives in Oak Grove. James is a good friend of mine. Me and him, well, we've been, we've been, uh, we've been at each other. We've been competing against one another for ever since I started. James, James was competition hunting long before I was. James is a winner. He's one of the best handlers there is. By far, he's he's already he's already got it figured out before before you even start trying to figure it out. He knows what he's gonna do. He's good. He's a good handler. And you give him a good dog, and he's tough. He, he's and me and him, we we become pretty good buddies. The last well, when I started hunting tiny, he was hunting gold, and they was the same age, and we battled. You know, them two pups. They was both fall super state pups, and they was both good. Gold was out of Tennessee Hard Rock, which, you know, wipeout bred, black wipeout dog. Imagine that. And you know, we've had some we've had some pretty strong coon hunts together over the years. He's a good friend. But yeah, he's got Playboy. Playboy's a good one. Is he is he still pushing him a lot? Oh yeah, he he's trying to find him another black and tan. He he's a he likes to hunt something different. James does for some reason. I don't know. He likes to hunt a winner, don't get me wrong, but he says, if I can go out there and win a cast with something besides a walker dog, that's what I want to do. And But he ain't going to find no black dog to replace Playboy. He can forget it. Yeah, unless it's another hard rock. Yeah, and they don't make them no more. Nah. Have they bred, have they bred Playboy any? Hadn't bred him at all. None. Uh, James is kind of fella that He'll tell you why breed to the son when you can still breed to the daddy. And that's, and that's true. Just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, he, he's not trying to breed. He would, you know, and we probably will. You know, that'll probably be, I got the Heisman here, and I like him, but he's not near the dog Playboy is. But there's things that the Heisman's got that Playboy don't have. But uh, we'll probably get some puppies out of Playboy, you know, because I think Playboy's coming five now, so. We need to hurry up, get a litter if we're going to, just to see if he's going to reproduce anything. But James, you know, he'll just, if somebody was to call him about wanting to breed to play boy, James would probably tell him, look, you need to go breed to his daddy. Yeah. And, and it costs about what, six, you charge what, about $600,000 to breed to Frank, don't you? Yeah. I, I try to, uh, I try to get a puppy if I can. Oh, I just, I don't charge anything. Well, how many other dogs that have won Sire of the Year is it free to breed to? Uh, probably none. 
Yeah, well, there you go, folks. I mean, hey, <laughs> and and you know, I mean, I'm not. Uh, I had confidence enough to get a puppy out of him. You know, I mean, uh, and I know the mama that those puppies come off of too, and she's a she's a great reproducer as well. I mean, you got to give her her credit for that litter too. But Frank's done his, and both of them have done their own reproducing away from this litter. But uh, I'm gonna get Frank collected this summer. Uh, we had a we had, somebody said, "Have you got him collected yet?" And I haven't because we had a vet over here that that used to do that and he had some malfunction equipment malfunction and all that and lost a bunch of people's uh semen that they had stored with him so he don't do it no more but uh i'm gonna find me a place to get frank collected because he's still strong he's not missing any female he missed one female the fuzz female wipe out fuzz he missed her which that was the out of all the litters you know, he had to miss her. Yeah. But he's nine, and he's he's yet to miss. He's got puppies every time I bred him. So I think I can still get him collected. And then you know, somebody you know wants to wants to have some semen semen shipped. You know, I'll be able to do that. But yeah, I still ain't gonna charge nothing. I mean, I don't care. I don't care about. You know, I just like to see. Yeah, it's just a sport to me. I mean, I know I know there's money to be made. A lot of people say, man, you need to be trying to make a little money doing it, but I ain't never. I mean, I just do it because I love to do it. And being in Louisiana, is the is the headache worth? Is it worth the headache you'd make? You know, I mean, the little bit of money well, worth the headache. You know what I mean, too? Because you know, being in Louisiana, you know how it is. Or Mississippi I, I, the same way. I mean, the whole South. Sometimes, if you're going on a stud dog, you got to be some kind of a jerk. I mean, I'm not saying that being ugly, but you'll get a lot of females brought to you that ain't in heat or it'll be too early or too late. And, you know, and you got these guys that drive a long ways, you know, they'll drive over here. And then, of course, if you breed very many females, you can pretty much tell whenever they bring her out there. If, if, if I don't feel just right about it and I don't think, you know, after we breed them or whatever, I just don't feel right about it. Well, I'll just keep her. You know, if they want to, I said, look, I just need to keep her. I'll breed her a couple more times. Well, then you wind up keeping somebody's dog for two or three days and feeding them. And, but I do it, and I don't mind doing it. But, you know, some of these guys that's got these females, they, they don't pay close attention to them. They'll bring them up there, and then it's a dang, I mean, it's a pain in the butt sometimes to get them bred. Yeah. I guess it's worth it, you know. Yeah, it's worth, you know, you get videos, folks send you pictures and videos of, of young dogs out of your, your stuff. It's tree and coons and they having a ball with them and they enjoying them. And, and that means more you know, money. You try, oh you yeah. Know. You try to buy them. And they said, man, I'm having too much fun. I can't say, I couldn't sell this dog. I'm having a ball hunting. Well, I mean, Hey, I'm, I'm tickled to death for you, you know? Yeah. Well, I guess a lot of that would be more self gratification for as far as it monetary is. you know my old daddy's still alive he lives there at the house and he don't coon hunt no more but but if i go a hunting he he's gonna want to know what i did you know what that dog what'd you do last night or you you come to the house you didn't meet him or anything but he knows you was there and he knows you got that pup and he's gonna be inquiring about how's the pup doing i mean he gets a lot out of it even though he ain't going to the woods and you know, and then I got my grandson. You know, if I can keep my line of dogs there, which, 
you know, they go back to moose and burying them, you know, but I'm going to keep hunting stuff out of tiny and try to keep it there at the house. And then hopefully my grandson will be hunting that same string of dogs, you know, me and him together. Yeah, that'd be awesome. You know, and uh... We are proud to have Conkey's Outdoors the sponsor of CHU Podcast. Conkey's is your complete hunting and hound supply store. They carry brands like Garmin, Daltra, Dan's, and even Summit Tree Stands and much, much more. Whether you're in the market for a new thermal or a new hunting rifle, Conkey's has it all. They even offer financing options. Being a family-run business with customer service that is second to none, it's no wonder why Conkey's is the best in the business. So go check them out at conkeysoutdoors.com or find them on Facebook at Conkey's Outdoors. What would you say as far as to somebody, let's say there's somebody out there and they have a heavy wipeout bred female and, and they want to breed to Frank? I mean, you know, I, I, what would you, what do you think about a cross like that? Well, I know what I think. You know, you can sign me up for a puppy right now. But uh, yeah. uh, I'd love to see that cross happen. Anytime you breed anything, Tyler is it's a gamble it is I don't care what it is it's a gamble you know you see these ads you, you see these they they old so-and-so bred old hot rod to to old Jane over here this is gonna be the litter this is gonna be an outstanding crawl they don't have a clue no it's they don't know it is so you know yes I, I would love to breed Frank to a female directly out of moose Ooh. I would keep I would keep all of them, you know, if I had it. I would love to do it, but will it work? Heck, man, you know, I'll tell you this much. If she has reproduced any puppies that was any count at all previously in her life and she brought, and, and you crossed her on Frank, absolutely it'll work. If you breed a reproducer to a reproducer, they're going to reproduce. This, that's just it. That's the way it's been in my experience. Yeah. I told, I told Colton the same thing. They bred Sally to Boston, got the ace dog. Yeah. I told Colton whenever he said something about breeding to Frank, I said, well, I'll go ahead and tell you it's going to work. I said, because you got ace. Ace is out of Boston Sally. Yeah. And you got sugar. You can't get her. She's yeah. as nice as. That's right. Sugar. I said, in my opinion, Frank's a better reproducer than Boss was, so it's going to work. And so far, I've been right. Yeah, and Sally ain't out of nothing. I mean, I know. I've been, yeah. I give Colton Sally. You know what I mean? She's out of yeah. – I, I owned her grandma, but, I mean, she's not out of any <laughs> – nothing nobody would recognize for a while, you know, for a ways back there. Yeah, uh, yeah. old Bowley Creek Buck, some of that old Bowley Creek Buck stuff. Now, I, I hunted with them dogs back. I hunted tiny against some of them dogs. I mean, now curly, you know, they go. Yeah, yeah, the curly dog. He was nice. I'll give it to him. I hunted yeah, that dog. Yeah. He was. That's I mean, a coon tree, and they, that's a coon tree and stock of dogs. I mean, I didn't like their looks and the way they was put together personally, yeah. but you know, everybody's got their own preference. But these coon trees, I mean, you couldn't take nothing from them as far as you know they treat coon. Yeah, well, curly reminded me a lot of the dogs that you talk about. <clears throat> When I hunted with him, he moved around really good. You know, yeah. a lot of energy. Me too. Uh, That's what I seen. Yeah. I mean, he, he was a nice dog. His his See, I owned that puppy out of 
Curly, that's Sally's mama, and she wasn't. Now she'd run a deer, buddy. She could run a deer, but uh, other than that, I don't. I don't. She didn't do a whole lot else. I think the guys that got her after I had her did something with her, but uh, yeah. And like you said, reproducer to reproducer, and it works. You know, I mean, it's it's proven. It works. Your coon dog to coon dog works a lot of times. It don't work every time, but reproducer to reproducer, guaranteed. Now you can take. You can take a good female, good reproducing female, and breed to a weak male, and you get you get good. I, the male dogs get a lot of credit, and, and they do, and and that's just what it is. But the female should get a, you know, the female should get more credit, in my opinion, because you can take a female and breed her to this dog and get good puppies, and you, the next cycle you can breed her to a different dog and get good puppies, you know, and so on. So you know, it's the female. I mean. It's, it's common sense. It don't matter what you breed her to, you're going to get good pups. So you take a good female and breed her to a good, strong stud dog and better buy you one of them puppies, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that. So how old were you when you owned your first blue tick? Now, Mr. Eddie, he couldn't be here today. He had something to do, but he, uh, he wanted me to ask you that. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you. My daddy had blue dogs. My first blue tick, probably, you see, I'm 47. I was probably 28 years old on my first blue tick. She had tree a coon. I, I can't tell you. I had a blue tick female one time that was given to me, buddy. Her name was Bobby Sue. Now, Pleasure Hunter had her. She was big. I mean, a big old heifer. And, uh, so that, that would have been my first blue tick. And that's back whenever I coon hunted in tennis shoes, didn't have a compass. You know, that's the way we used to hunt. Me and my brothers hunted. We would just leave and go hunting. No compass, no coon squalor, uh, just whatever kind of flashlight we could get. And that's the kind of dogs we hunted. You know, we'd hunt a, whatever somebody would swap and trade us for. You know, that's the kind of dogs we hunted. And That's how I started coon hunting with, with nothing, you know, just just dogs, you know. Yeah. I was excited to go look for dark. Every couldn't wait for it to get dark. We was going coon hunting. Didn't know if we was going to tree one or not, but we'd be out there trying. And so, and that kind of brings us, you know, along with Frank's reproducing record, reproducing record, which is outstanding, and your owning of blue ticks. Now you can even breed Frank to a blue tick, and he reproduces. I've heard that. Is is that true? Yeah. Yeah, I think we're going to see some in the magazine for too much longer. There's one down at the house. I got one there at the house, you know. I, I can't brag on him no whole lot. I'm afraid that the best thing going out of Frank is going to wind up being a blue chip. And it, I saw the dog just for everybody, you know, that hadn't seen him. I, I saw him while I was down there, and you can't tell that dog's got a lick of walker in him. He looks just like a blue tick. Just like, I mean, ain't got a no tan. I mean, look just like one. I don't know what to do about it because I don't want nobody thinking that I'm hunting a blue tick. Now, I love a blue tick. I do. My daddy had some good blue ticks, man. I mean, and one of my most all-time favorite dogs was this Hat Creek Little Bit. I mean, she, she was just that kind of dog. She stands out in your mind. I won't ever forget her. But never did I ever dream I'd be leading a thing around that looked just like a blue tick. And uh, let, let me ask you this, Jesse. Uh, uh, how come that dog doesn't 
how come everybody I've heard to talk about that dog, I ain't never heard anybody say anything bad about it. They'll say that blue tick Jesse Live has got. That dog's got as much walker in it as it's got blue tick. Uh, but people refer to it as a, as a blue tick. And uh, he looks like one. He does. I mean, it just, he does. He looks like one. Yeah. He, but he ain't. He he is he is a walker dog. He his daddy is a walker dog, so that makes him a walker dog. Yeah. Um. Ain't that the way it is? I I th- I think so. You know, I, I've heard a lot of good stuff about them. How did you come about owning those dogs? Do you know their mama or anything? No, I just know Billy. Billy should have brought that female over and bred to Frank, and uh, he had bred a he had bred a female to Tiny years ago, and uh, he brought that female over and bred, and then he left. You know, I didn't really care too much about it. You know, I. I want to hunt no crossbred dog or nothing. You know what I mean? Just wasn't something I was a big fan of. But oh, about six, seven months later, I had a buddy, an old boy, call me out of the blue. I didn't know him. Still don't know him. Been to his house. He called me. Said I got a dog down here out of Frank Blue Tick, out of Frank. He said he's crazy. And I just wonder if you know the kid that might want him. Now, how this fella got my number, I don't know. But anyway, that's what he said. He said, if you know a, a kid or something like that, I'll give him to him. I said, I want him. <laughs> he said, well, come get him. So, of course, I, we, there was a, I went to Cody's house. We was going to a pro classic, and we swung through there and picked him up. And I didn't think much of him when I stopped there and got him. I was regretting it because I didn't like him. But I... <laughs> I've come to change my mind. He is a country and machine, buddy. I'm telling you, a machine. And it don't matter what time of night you turn him loose. And I don't think it makes no difference what the weather is. I've hunted him in all kinds of situations. And he's always treated coon. I'm telling you, absolutely. Good Lord can send a bolt of lightning down here right now. I ain't lying to you. You turn him loose, he's gonna tree a coon. Is he a big hunting dog, or what's he? What's he'll he go. Does? He'll go. He goes hunting. He goes hunting as good as you can ask for one. But he he can strike a track. He can take a track and tree it. Yeah. And I, I'm hunting him every night, and I got a litter mate brother to him that's just a little bit different. He don't go as hunting as good as we like for a dog to go hunting, but so far he hadn't had to. He's treeing coons too. He'll go tree a coon in there two or three hundred yards, and you pull him off that tree, and he won't go seventy yards, and he's got another one treated. But I don't know how they're doing it, but I'm just telling you they're doing it. Do you know of any of the other litter mates out of that cross? Yeah, there's a female somewhere up somewhere that's uh. Been trying to buy her, can't get her bought. Man said, "Hey, I ain't selling her. I ain't I, no." Have you ever been less excited about a cross as that one, and that might turn out to be the the best one you've made? Well, you know, you know you, you not in a bad question. way, but you ask that question, and I'll have to take you all the way back to Frank. Whenever I got Frank from Stanley Lucas, he sent me a picture of that litter of puppies. And I picked Frank out of that picture, and uh, I circled him and sent the picture back to him. And he brought me that pup 
at a coon hunt, and I put him in that dog box. When I got him home, I put him in the pen, and until Frank was probably, see, he was probably 10 months old, nine, nine, nine months old or so, all I did was poured water and feed in his pen. I didn't give him no worm medicine. I didn't give him nothing. I just fed him and watered him because I had him, and I sure didn't like him, and I didn't think he was ever going to be worth a flip. And I promise you, I, did, I didn't... I didn't think that dog would ever mount to nothing, and I was wrong. Wound up being one of the best I ever unsnapped. I, I, that's crazy how that works, ain't it? Yep. Uh, so and and you have those two blue ticks, and that's kind of what you're what you're pushing right now. And you you got a partner, a couple partners on those dogs. Uh, yeah. I um. I actually got the blue dog, and my plan was. I could probably get this dog, if I could get this dog to run and tree and coons with him being blue, I could probably sell him, make some good money. You know, I had JB there. JB's still young. He's not but three. So I, I say, I get this pup, you know, roast near season's coming on. I can get this pup running tree and coons. I can sell him, make me some money, make mama happy, you know. He did. I hunted him about, I think I carried him hunting five times. And then he was started, basically. And then probably another five or six times I carried him hunting. And then I said, hell, I, I, I just started hunting by myself. So, and I don't know how other people are, but if I ever go to hunting one by themselves, just me and them, just going coon hunting, I get attached. And then I get to where I, I ain't sure I want to sell them anymore. But I had some good offers on blue. And uh, I called my buddy Michael Moody over there, and I told him, I said, you know, I got this blue pup over here. I said, and I bad don't want to sell him. And he texted me back. He said something about buying him. I said, I don't want to sell him. I want a partner. And, of course, we was doing that $100,000 hunt. You know, that was coming up. That was long, all about that time. And he said that he wanted to come look at him and, course it rocked around rocked around and the winter time was on and i was hunting every night and steve yant and clifford rivers and all them was coming down to the camp and we was hunting and i was of course i was hunting blue and uh then you know i got a couple guys offered me a little money so i said well i went back to moody over there i said moody i said i'm just not to sell this dog I said, this money is getting serious i even talked to rogerdale you know i got lots of respect for rogerdale i used to handle for him so you know I, i'm 47 but i'll still ask a man's opinion before i make a decision you know what i'm saying you know i got people i go to before anyway i asked rogerdale roger sales you need to sell him he said if you can sell him now now be the time to do it so I, take, I caught Moody. I said, if you want to do something on this pup, we need to hurry up and do it because this money's getting to where I'm going to have to get rid of it. But I didn't want to sell it. But I wanted I wanted to hunt him. But, you know, the level of hunting that, that I wanted to do, I can't really afford it. So I want a partner. Well, that's how that deal come about. Jay Tidwell come over there and went hunting with Blue. And, uh, of course, he didn't look his best, but he treed three or four coons. And me and Jay was out there hunting. And I looked at Jay. I said, Jay, I said, 
I'm going to tell you something. I said, you probably ain't going to believe what I'm going to tell you. I said, but this pup will do this all night long. I said, as many times as you unsnap him, that's how many times he's going to go trick coon. He didn't say nothing. Well, after Jay, we made the deal. Jay took him home, and he hunted him about four nights. He texted me or called me. He said, Jesse, I believe what you said. He said, he will do it all night long. I said, yes, sir, he'll do it all night. I have turned him loose in behind a cast of dogs at 4 o'clock in the morning. He'll trick coon right there where they've done all been hunting for two hours at 4 in the morning. And you got a brother, the a brother to him, right? Yeah. Now, the brother to him, believe it or not, I think if I don't mess him up, he's going to have to change a little bit because I don't like that. When you turn him loose, he, he'll trick coon just right here. But he ain't locating that coon fast enough. You know, it takes him a minute just you can tell he's after a coon, and but and he's right there, but it's taking him just a little bit too long to find him. But he trees them right here, just where there ain't no coon. You cut a dog through, they'll just blow right on through there. Well, this dog, is, he'll tree that coon right there. And everybody says, well, he's treeing coons. But I, I hate that. I mean, he needs. I like for a dog to be moving. Yeah, so, yeah. I don't know. Uh, how'd you come about getting him? I knew where he was, and I called old boy and made him an offer. And uh, he turned me down, so I called him and made him another offer. Sight unseen, I bought him for $1,000. He said, dang, man, you want him, ain't you? I said, well, yeah. So I just told him I'd give him 1000 I met him over and picked him up and hated him. Whenever he unloaded him out of his truck, I took one look at him and said, uh-uh, I don't like it. <laughs> That's just the way I am. I look at a dog. If I like him, I like him. If I don't, I don't. But... Hey, he is tree and coon, buddy. I mean, and he he's just like Blue. When we got him, he told me, he said, now this dog ain't doing near about as much what yours is doing. I said, okay. Are you in the market for a new dog box and just don't know which one to get? That's why I encourage you to go check out GNR Cedar Dog Boxes, especially if you're wanting something different. GNR Sear Dog Box was established in 2016 when two avid hunters wanted a dog box that was affordable and great looking at that. They provide a high quality, handmade, lightweight box to the customers. They take pride in the fact that their boxes are fully cedar, which will last a lifetime in all types of weather conditions. Cedar also ensures your hounds stay a little warmer in the winter and cooler in the summer. You can find out more about GNR Cedar Dog Boxes on Facebook. G- find them at GNR Cedar Dog Boxes or give them a call at 615-962-5266. They're located in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, USA. Well, he wasn't. He wasn't doing nothing. But I didn't have to hunt him very long. I mean, within two weeks' time, he was treeing on his own. I mean, treeing coons. Yeah. They caught on so fast. You know, you got that, uh, the JB dog and the Heisman. And, you know, I, I named that new dog uh, DS. Oh, yeah. You like him initials, huh? Yeah. Devontae Smith, you know. <laughs> that's what I named mine. Yeah. You, you named yours Joe yeah. Burrow. I figured I'd name mine Devontae yeah. Smith. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. His name's not not DS, but uh, I thought that'd be pretty funny to throw in there. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep plugging around with old JB, and I'm gonna get my picture taken with that son of gun on the front of that magazine. And I'm gonna send Joe Burrow. I'm gonna call him and say I got the Heisman, and we're gonna get a picture with the, with Joe Burrow and Jay, and 
we're gonna have me and two Joe Burrows on the cover of the magazine. That that'd be awesome. I think that'd be as cool as anything. Wow. Uh, man, I, I'm a college football. I'm LSU. I bleed purple and gold. And I know sometimes they make me so mad, but in my opinion, just my opinion, I don't think there ever was a quarterback ever born any better than Joe Burrow. And I know he's young, but he's good. Yeah. So, I'll tell you, they ain't never been one as uh, come from as uh, as far as he has in one year. I mean, he went from well, being mediocre to being the one of the best of all time in one year, you know? All he needed was a chance. You yeah. Know? He right. was, all he needed was a chance. Well, that's, so that's the reason I still got the Heisman at the house. I could have sold him. My good buddy Clifford wanted to buy him. And, you know, I'm, I ain't real big about selling my friends a dog because I'm going to tell you something. There's two two easy ways to lose a, a friend that's over a woman and a dog and, and i ain't losing no friends over no dogs i just ain't yeah and that that's why so you I, uh, I, huh that's the reason why i didn't sell it then i told cliff i said cliff you won't be happy with this dog so i mean the money was good i should have sold it you know but i didn't and uh of course me and james owned the heisman together and i think james got a little irritated with me because james you know he he knew what the figure was, and you know he would have probably sold. But I, I just, I wasn't gonna sell him to. But see, you know, man, man, I, I made a lot of friends doing this stuff, man. A lot of them, you know, and I, I don't dare want to lose any of them for any reason. I mean, man ain't man ain't much if he ain't got friends. You know what I mean? I don't want to have to hire nobody to tote me whenever. Good Lord calls me out of here. I want to be, you know, I, 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 my buddies mean a whole lot to me. Yeah. That, that's why you made it clear that Cody Pritchard sold me that puppy, wasn't it? Yeah. Cody <laughs> did sell you that puppy. <laughs> I know. You, you know. Yeah. He Cody beat me up. Me about that puppy. Hey, Cody, 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 sell a dog. Now, Cody ain't, me and, me and Cody, we've been friends. Now, Cody, Cody, you know, I'm old enough to be Cody's daddy, you know, and but, but we are like, we're like brothers, actually. You know, I mean, there's a big age gap there, but me and Cody, we tight. And Cody's going to sell a dog. He's going to sell a dog. If he gets one, he is for sale. And whenever he texts me about you buying that dog, I said, well, he's going to sell. He's going to sell it. I know he was. But he didn't. You know, I had him, and I was hunting him. And Cody wasn't going to take him away from me and sell him. And Cody's going to listen to this podcast, and I'm going to say some stuff that I ain't said to Cody. So he's going <laughs> but I know that he was going to sell that pup. And, uh, but I knew he wasn't going to take him away from me to sell it because, you know, we buddies. That's just the way we roll. And about the third time he called me, I said, Cody, won't you just go on sell Tyler the pup? And uh, I said, yeah, I, I know, you know, I just felt like he was – because Cody, Cody a coon hunt. When Cody's coon hunting, he's coon hunting. I mean, every night. And he'll hunt all night long. But when the Cody ain't coon hunting, all them dogs is for sale. Yeah. That's just the way he is. And and, and you got to be that way. You know, he's young. He's got a young family. He's got a wife. He's got a beautiful family and two babies. And if he can make some money, he's got his head in the right place, you know. Yeah. So uh, I told him, I said, just sell the man and pup. I said, get that money and whatever y'all do, you know, I'm, 
you know, it don't matter to me. So Cody sold him to you. But you know what I said. Oh, I you know. you need some help with that pup. You send him back to Ravel. When these Rosemears get, get on these cornfields, I'll put some hair in his mouth. Please. Yeah. He he uh he won't sell him. He won't sell him real cheap though. <laughs> he ain't gonna sell one cheap. No. I sold one for him. I sold one for him here not too long ago for ten thousand. He sent me out there with that dog and showed him that people that dog treated two possums and I didn't know have a clue. Boy, <laughs> hey, they bought him. I mean, he treated for five coons. Yeah, but he treat, he did treat two possums, and the price was high. Yeah, and I was I said, man. Come on. But, uh, That's how it goes nowadays. I'll tell you about a dog. I'll tell you right now, it ain't it ain't none of them running around here. I mean, we got some dogs that want a lot of money in this in this sport. But uh they ain't none of them worth what you have to pay for. They just ain't. No, not unless somebody's mad at them. Yeah, I mean they just you know, if you got a wife and kids and you know, you got to, I told this young boy that started hunting with me, he'd come to my house, and he had his little wife with him. He's young, R.J. Posey. I told him, I said, R.J., I said, you going to do this? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I said, well, I'm going to tell you something. And his wife, then I said, you better have your priorities in, in the right place. In other words, don't you be spending all your family's money on dogs and this, that, and other, and all that. Try because... You know, I've been there. I had that fever. I, I wanted to win. I wanted dogs and, you know, and, hey, I have taken our light bill money and went to a coon hunt on it. Just so happened I was hunting a good dog, you know. But, you know, there is people out there that do that. They get that They get that itch, and they'll spend every dime they can get their hands on trying to do this. Yeah. And uh, that's a good lesson. Don't. Josh McCaleb said it. Uh, don't don't use your grocery money to go to a coon hunt. Well, there's or a buy dogs. I, I I'm one of the few that'll tell you. You know, I've done it. I, I was there. You know, I I'd leave my house and drive six hours one way to a coon hunt, get beat, and drive six hours home. I've done it. You know, and it's it's insane, but I have done it. It's crazy what them dogs make you do. Like uh, hunt for a hundred thousand dollars. You, you know, we'll, we'll move on. Uh, so how, you had an involvement with that hundred thousand dollar hunt. Uh, how'd you how'd you come to be involved with? I know you and Michael Moody's partners on dogs now, but uh, how'd you become involved in that, Jesse? Man, I met Michael Moody way back whenever he was hunting a little female called Donna. Been knowing him. 20 years you know we never have been great big buddies you know but there's a level of respect there you know you know we've all got you know just like you take you know folks that you don't even know but you know of them and that way you have a little level of respect for them and I, that's the same way with moody you know we both knew each other enough to but uh here in the last few years i've come to know michael a little little better and we we become a little better buddies and he was putting on that deal and it was the talk around here us about when the entries went on sale how long it was going to take to fill and i said it wasn't going to fill that's my opinion i didn't think they'd sell 64 entries at four thousand dollars uh 
and we was all talking about it. Well, anyway, the entries went on sale, and the day they went on sale, I was working or doing whatever. Well, somebody, somebody had texted me or called me and said, man, that thing has done filled up. I said, what? Yeah. So I was going on down the road, so I just called Michael. And, buddy, when he answered the phone, you would have thought his dog had died. I would have thought he'd been excited. You know, it, he suggested it filled in seven minutes. He said, and I'm getting, I'm getting some phone calls and texts. He said, and it, you know, people are mad and upset because they didn't get an entry. And I could tell it bothered him. It really did. That's the kind of fellow Michael is. It, you know, you get to know, you get to know him. Michael, he's, he's a good guy. I mean, he really is all around just a good guy. And it's, you know, all of us are different when we're out there and that stopwatch is running. You know, we're competing and, you know, we got a different, it really bothered him that, that there was folks that wanted to hunt in that hunt and they couldn't get an entry. But anyway, I said, babe, don't worry about it. I said, let's just do another that crow. I said, it is what it is. Uh, you got 70, let, I said, let's, let's do them at Crowbell. And he got quite for a minute. He said, well, let me call you back. So he called me back a little later. He said, okay. He said, we're going we're gonna to open them back up and sell, sell entries at Crowbell. I said, okay, good deal. And that's kind of hot. That's kind of hot, hot. You know, if, if Marco had a, had a different attitude whenever he answered the phone that day, but I could tell in his voice that he was generally upset because everybody that wanted to hunt in it wasn't going to get to. So uh, then I done put my foot in my mouth, and I hadn't called and asked anybody around here about putting the hunt on, and I done, I done committed to holding it. And I never had to ask one person to help. They all just, whenever they found out we was going to do one at Crowville, phones started ringing. Casey Dooley, Clark Canterbury, Shannon Barton, James Hughes, Edgar Purvis, Martin Spears, Donnie Hancock. I mean, just, I mean, Steve Yan. He said, I'm coming to the camp. Anything I can do to help. Clifford Rivers. I mean, everybody just, it was a, I mean, I know they called my name, and then they called Moody's name and and all, but the Coon Hunters is the one that put that deal on. We was just, you know, we just was, we made it happen. Brendan, Brendan come up with the idea, but the the Coon Hunters and Jarvis Umphers Memorial Hunt, you know, Miss Umphers, she talks about, you know, the coon hunting family, and she's 100% correct. We are. I mean, we can get into it on a cast and think that we're going to want to kill each other, and then when it's over, it's over. We're right back to being, you know, we're buddies. I mean, it, it takes us all. And to do a hunt like that, it takes all of us. It takes the boys that's paying the entry fees even, you know. It takes us all. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it was an awesome event. Uh, so, will y'all be helping with the second hunt next year if it happens? I'm gonna put one. I want to put one on every year. Um, is there gonna be a blue tick? Is there, is, there, is there gonna be a blue tick from Ravel, Louisiana? Yeah. 
I ain't, I ain't gonna make no predictions, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, if Crowell hosts another job or something for Memorial Hunt in Crowell, Louisiana, there'll be a blue tick there, and he's gonna be hard to beat. Yeah, I mean, home field advantage and everything, but uh, well, well, have, have y'all talked about a second event, Jesse? I didn't mean to cut you off there. I just thought it was a good no, place. No, no, it hadn't. We haven't talked about it. Uh, now, once that, once we had it and everything went good and everybody was tickled, I think Roger Dale was, was nervous. You know, I think he was nervous about all that money, giving all that money away. I think that, and then, because when it was over with, you know, Roger Dale don't smile a whole bunch. But he was in good spirits that night, and I think I said, "Well, we'll get to do this again," you know, just in my mind. And then I said something to him about it. I felt like there would be another one put on this year. I, I felt like somebody would probably put another one on sometime this year. But we haven't talked about doing that one, the Jarvis Umphers deal, again. But I'm pretty sure it goes without saying that that it'll it'll be it's gonna be hell i mean i don't perceive michael not wanting to do it and and i'm a team player i always have been i'm a ride or die you know that's what i tell everybody i'm in i'm in just put me in let's let's play yeah and uh that brings us to the next topic you know they y'all have a a state hunt going on up there by y'all and we actually interviewed mr tim last night and uh clark canterbury both of them last night and man the job that th that team has done already is just mind-blowing it really is well let me i don't know I, I know you know tim and them i've been knowing clark goes right back to the people you meet doing this i've been knowing clark a long time there is not no man that ever got out of the bed and put his pants on the morning time any better than Clark Canterbury. He is a good guy. Now, Tim, the storm took, we had a storm come through here the other day and it took top off, can't wipe out. It just, took, it just opened it like a can of sardines. Tim texted me wanting to come help put that lid back on that camp. I don't know Tim. I mean, I've just met him this year. So that tells me what kind of fella he is. They, they, them are some good people, and they're going to put that hunt on because they love the coon hunt, and they love them kids. So I encourage you, everybody, if you want to be a part of something special just like the Wiggins deal, it's going to be a good event for kids, you know, for coon hunting, period. And them, them some good boys, and, and I'm going to be right there. You know, I don't have any kids. You know, me and my brother riding down the road the other day, he said, it's a crying shame that we ain't, we got nephews, but all ours has done got, you know, we, I got one that's playing college ball and then the other one's playing high school baseball. And so they too busy. So we don't even have a young in the tape, but we're going to go over there and do what we can judge. I hear there are going to be some good groceries over there. So I'm going to go get me some of that good groceries. Hey, and let me tell you another them Bollinger boys from down there in South Louisiana that bought that ace dog, you know, them some good folks, and they they got a big hand in what's going on with that deal. And well, uh, they had a big hand in, in Wiggins this year too, and he uh, he is a great guy, Brandon Bollinger. Yep. Going ahead and I, but he is. I, 
Yeah, I, I met him at the Nationals, and uh, Braxton, that boy he is, hey, that dude can cook, man. Uh, was he 15 years old? Man, I, you know, I know. Hey, that boy can cook. I, I, I know Eddie stayed with y'all, and that's all. I, I, he's, still, he's still talking about how good they cook, and that was two weeks ago. <laughs> Yeah, man, that boy, and that, I think that kid did most of that cooking now, I'm telling you. And he's he, he just a, he's a grown-up youngin' is what he is, and a fine, fine kid. Sure is. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I, I was glad to get to meet them. I'd heard their name and everything, and, and Brandon's texted me since then about youth hunting, doing stuff there, and, I mean, they are, they're all in. I mean, it's going to be a big deal. Yeah. They are great, great people, and uh, yeah, they own the Ace Dog and Banjo Dog, uh, and hopefully they can start doing some winning. I know both of those dogs have done some winning, but uh, I hope they can get get on the same page. You know, they will. They'll yeah. win. Uh, but uh, like you said, they're great people, and you know, and anybody that wants to help out with this, uh, the Louisiana State Youth Hunt's coming up. Uh, I'm pretty sure the episode Mr. Tim will drop for this, but it'll be May twenty seventh and the twenty eighth. Uh, the fun days the 28th for all day uh and they've been plastering all over facebook i mean it's they're doing a great job of advertising it and uh what we're kind of hoping jesse you know uh tim come to the wiggins hunt and we were talking about this yesterday you know hopefully uh, somebody will go to the go to the louisiana hunt and see what they're doing and they'll do like tim did from the wiggins hunt you know we'll take that and uh use it you know uh, in another state absolutely. you know and let's, absolutely uh yes. man, but you know we're taking stuff from Tim and them already. Some stuff that they've done. You know we we've been jotting notes yeah, down too. Absolutely. Hey, iron sharpens iron. Is what the Bible says. Yeah. Huh? You're right. There's plenty of examples out there. If we'll just look for them, we can learn. We can learn from for the different things and make make each other better. Yeah, I think so too, man. I, I really do, and it. It's great to see that the youth's getting that big now. I mean, it seems like it's getting bigger to me. Do you do you think it is? You've been in hunting a lot lot longer than I have. Well, the last for the last few years that I can remember at our Louisiana Youth State Hunt, PKC State, and we've had one, maybe two kids come. But there's never been anybody with any enthusiasm, you know, like Clark and Tim's got, and then you got Will Langley, and now you got Robbie Durham. You know, those boys are, they, they really enthuse about putting on stuff for the kids, you know. So that's all it takes. It takes somebody with a with an imagination, and they get an idea in their head, and, and they act on it, you know. So yeah, I think it's going to be a big deal. Yeah, and – uh those great group of guys and i think it is going to be a great great hunt and i look forward to it i'm not gonna be able to make it i'll be offshore but uh be a great hunt so uh, b- before we get off here jesse you got anybody you want to shout out or any people that kind of mentored you or anything like that prior to us getting off yeah i want to tell you that uh i want to holler at martin spears you know he's he's been he's been a big part of my coon hunting and and of course Edgar Edgar I, I ain't got to mention Edgar's name me and me and Edgar we he, he knows it goes without saying and uh, you know Casey Dooley you know Casey's been a rival me and him's been at each other for 20 years and and over the years you know we you know 
I even let him come stay at the camp with us now. I mean, I, I thank the world of, of all them guys. You know, before we wrap this up, you know, I want to go back to Tiny right quick, if I can. You know, there's no telling what Tiny could have won if he hadn't got hurt. And that's what a lot of people say. You know, he was good, and if he hadn't got hurt, there ain't no telling what the old boy would have won. And But with that being said, you know, God's got a plan for everything, and, and it ain't us to – to second guess it. See, if Tiny hadn't have got hurt, it wouldn't have been no Frank, no Boss, no Pain, none of these dogs. No, you know, there wouldn't have been no um, Sire Race winner. Wouldn't have been any of that. So, at, in life, for us, you know, I look back at my life and I say, boy, if I could, if I could change something, I would. And uh, then I look at my grandson and I said, if I was to change one thing, would, would he be here? You never know what God's got in store for you. You know, he, he puts struggles. He puts, he puts us through struggles, just like Tiny breaking them legs. And man, it was just the end of the world for me. I mean, I cried. I had to tell the vets to put him to sleep. Roger Dale Carnegie paid $5,000 to get that dog put back together so I wouldn't have to watch them vets put him to sleep. No guarantee that he'd ever walk. Now, if all that hadn't happened, we wouldn't have, I, I, you know, this story would have been a whole lot shorter than it is because we wouldn't have been breeding tiny. We'd have just been hunting because Rotterdale didn't, you know, we was trying to win. We was going to win something big, and we would have. But if he hadn't fell out of that tree and broke him legs, we would have never been breeding him. None of these dogs would have ever existed. So, you know, that was God's plan for, for all this to happen. And then all these people that I mentioned, you know, this whole story would have been completely different. So with all that being said, if I could, if I could tell one person that's listening, to this podcast, don't ever, ever question what what God's plan, because because it's never changing, and it's always for the best. There's always going to be something good come out of anything that you might think's bad, and that's about about the only way you can live your life. You know what I'm saying? Man, that that is very 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 well said. You know. That really is, Jesse. You you well put it. I've heard it. So right. what I'm saying is lessons that, you know, that, that old big dog that I bought from Martin Spears, he's taught me more in life probably than, you know, he's taught me not to question things that happen along the way because there's always a reason for it. You know, there's Frank, there's Boss. You know, we got to hunt pain before he died. We won almost $10,000 with him. You know, we met a lot of people, made a lot of good friends. Just because Tiny fell out of that tree and broke his legs. You know, it was the end of the world. We towed him out of the woods. I thought, I thought that it was the worst day in my life. It wasn't. 
it was it was it, it was meant to be and in in my life you know things that i've done things that that I, that i did that i shouldn't have done you think well if i could go back i'd change I, you know i wouldn't have did that well you can't you can't go back and change it because if you do if you change one thing then you change the whole outcome of the whole picture the painting is not the same so if ever if, if it's one person that listens to this podcast has got any regrets or anything that they would like that they say that they could change i encourage you to look for the best in every everything even in the bad there's going to be something good because that's just the way the good lord works he's got a plan don't question it that really speaks to me during this time you know if my dog getting sick and uh yeah you know, there's uh, going to be, there's going to be something good. There's going to, you're going to look back and it may take 10 years for you to realize it. You're going to look back and you're going to say, if old bandit hadn't got sick. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't have, I, you know, and I would have never, and you know, I think about that. And the thing is, you know, I'd have probably never sold him because, but he wouldn't have never, they treated a lot of coons, you know, but he, he wasn't never one that was going to, suit me he didn't do it the way that i like but i still probably would have never sold him because nobody would ever paid me what i thought it would have took to you know my wife loved him we raised him from puppies so i knew he wasn't left yeah. but and then i'd never hunt anything else so now and i've kind of been looking at it that way as far as maybe that was god saying look man there's there's bigger things for you i hate to you know take this dog from yeah. this young but uh we got other things going on and I, yeah. you know, I, you I don't got to learn. You got to understand. You got to keep, you got to keep it in your mind. You know, you know, there is bad things that happen. There is bad things that happen that none of us will ever understand. But if we live long enough, I believe he'll reveal to us why it had to be that way. You know? So, yeah. You just, you just gotta you gotta look for it though you know you got to be you got to be attentive to what's going on and and i thought man if i could just if, if tiny hadn't fell out of that tree I, I i'd have been a world champion I, I i was gonna win the world hunt with him why did he why but i i know why now it's called t-pain it's called t-boss it's called sally it's called frank it's called playboy roman and then all the guys that, you know, all that had that, you know, he had to fall out of that tree before any of this was able to take place. Yeah. It's crazy how it works, man. Work God works in mysterious yeah. ways. He does. He does. Uh, he already knows. Yep. He's got bigger plans for us, I guess. You know what I mean? Even though we don't think so in that moment. But I agree with you, Jesse. And uh, you, you said that well. It. No, can't. Well, Jesse, uh, man, I, I do appreciate having you on here today, and I hate that the first time didn't work out, but I had fun visiting with you, and it really, I think it made this one better because we kind of both knew what to expect. Uh, yeah, yeah, I got, I forgot a lot of stuff the first time. I mean, my friends and, and you know, my wife, she kind of got irritated with me. She said that podcast is about you. I said, but I wouldn't be me without my buddies, my the the people that, you know. Your, your, your life is a journey, you know, in my opinion. I may be crazy. Life is a journey. And the folks that travel that journey with you is what makes it. 
what it is. You know, and that's just the way, you know, I wouldn't be anything without my family and my friends and the Lord above, you know, and, and I ain't, I ain't planning on dying. Don't give me, I don't want to sound like that, but I'm going to make a whole lot more friends between now and, you know, I, I'm going to live to be 112, but, uh, yeah, it's just, life's what you make it, buddy. I mean, these old dogs, they just, they part of it. Hey. All dogs go to heaven, so I'm looking forward to going to heaven. Yep. You are right about that. But like I said, Jesse, I I appreciate having you on, buddy, and it was good talking with you. You too, man. Yes, sir. Bye. I really hope you all enjoyed that interview as much as I did. If you like what you heard here, go on over to Facebook. Give us a like, at Coon Hunting You. Also, go to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review. It really helps us out. And remember, if you need a new hunting light, do not overlook Superior. They make an awesome light, best customer service in the business. Man, their walking light and double red is the brightest I've ever seen. Use coupon code CHUPODCAST at checkout at nighthunters.com. You can find the link in the description box below this. Coon Hunting University is a product of Audio Hound Productions. Until next time, y'all have a wonderful day.